What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're going to talk about a Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum swap. Yes, it's back on the table. Then we'll answer a couple more of your questions, a little special delivery mailbag at version mini mailbag in the second segment. And then we'll close the show with the Blazers moment of joy. A listener has shared a moment of joy that the Blazers brought them. And I'll share that with you as we've done throughout the offseason here to close out the weeks. But first, let's talk about Ben Simmons. Let's talk about the man of the hour. It was reported by Lockdown Podcast Network's own host of Lockdown Sixers and the senior writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Keith Pompey, that Ben Simmons does not plan to report to Sixers training camp. He has told Sixers brass, go ahead and trade me because I'm not showing up. A messy divorce between those two seems inevitable now. It always kind of seemed this way. It kind of seemed like it was heading this way. But maybe, maybe there was a way that that they wouldn't have to trade Simmons before the season started. Daryl Morey is is a general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, a man well-known for never wanting to lose a trade. Uh, but this is the way the season ended, the way Doc Rivers, the Sixers head coach, and the way... Uh, co-star Joel Embiid, st- true star <laughs> Joel Embiid, spoke about Simmons immediately following the the uh, semi the Eastern Conference semifinals loss to the Atlanta Hawks. It was this was here. It was here. Like it was here. You had to trade. It was, you were, they were going to trade Ben Simmons, and so it's it's upon us now. And according to Keith Pompey's reporting, the Simmons preferred destinations are the th- are three teams in California. You can guess which three teams those are. They're the two teams that play in Staples Center and the Golden State Warriors. Apologies to the Sacramento Kings, who have been reportedly pursuing Simmons, at least uh, to some extent, along with Minnesota Timberwolves, who remain in pursuit of Simmons. But the Sixers' asking price remained exceedingly high all summer through July. Uh, according to uh, Pompey's reporting in Ju- July, the asking price uh, when the Warriors and Sixers had talks was James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, the 7th pick in the draft, the 14th pick in the draft, and future first-round picks. Outrageously high, but also kind of like what you'd expect from A, Daryl Morey, and B, like Ben Simmons is a three-time All-Star. He's 25. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. Like, he's good. The asking price was going to be high. But as you look around the league, and as as the leverage from... I don't think Simmons has much leverage here, certainly, but, but like the Sixers' leverage seems to be dwindling because they can't just hold on until Christmas or hold on to the trade deadline and then figure it out. Seems like maybe the Blazers are back in the mix. Uh, it's unclear maybe how how aggressively the Blazers have pursued this trade in the past. Certainly they've spoken to, the two teams have spoken, but the the, Bla- the Sixers want Damian Lillard. So those talks end pretty quickly. No, we're not going to trade Dame. Okay, let's let's talk later. Like that was the holdout, right? Is that, that Philly had its eye on one Portland star guard who seemed to be uh, frustrated. And the idea was Philly would maybe hold out until things broke down in Portland. But Portland has now held out by virtue of, I guess, Dame not demanding a trade. Dame, Dame being cool with returning and giving it one more shot that such that the Sixers have broken down, which which means that the sort of trade that many of us, uh, both you, dear listener, and I have speculated about is the C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons swap, which seemed like maybe not particularly enticing at one point, is enticing again all of a sudden. In fact, according to Keith Pompey, the man who first broke this news, C.J. McCollum seems like an enticing option for the Sixers. Let's hear from the man himself. 
Obviously, Ben Simmons is going to have the teams that he wants to go to. Of course, Philadelphia under no obligation to send him there. We've heard reporting about some of the teams that are interested. Probably uh, not a not a big group of the Venn diagram that meet there in terms of places Ben Simmons would want to go and places interested, uh, at least based on those early reports. What do you think? Is there, a, is there a couple teams that you could see being the biggest players here in terms of the most likely outcome? You know, I, I look for the Portland Trailblazers, but not for the person everybody else says. You know what I mean? I, I look at it like when you ask yourself, is there one player who can come to Philadelphia and would be kind of a somewhat, you know, close, uh, close uh, trade? And I think it's C.J. McCollum. Mm. Now, again, Dame Lillard would knock it right out the box. Right. But in regards to C.J. McCollum, I think that the money is close. When you look at C.J. and you consider him to other guys that you think are going to be a perfect fit. Right now, I think he might be the best one out there, not named Dame Lillard, not named Bradley Bill. I don't expect them to get Bradley. So with that being said, that's why I'm saying Portland, if I'm the Sixers, I'm calling Portland now and saying, look, let's revisit this thing. I'll give you Ben. I may have to give something else up, but I want to get somebody back in return, and that's going to be C.J. McCollum. That's right. The dream trade scenario for the Portland Trailblazers is back on the table. Uh, To be clear, uh, Keith Pompey is not reporting that this is like a thing that's happening. This like, you know, he covers his team, looks around the league, knows what the Sixers want. And like CJ McCollum makes the most sense. He's the best player you might end up being able to trade Ben Simmons for. And I think that's the logic here. Not that like Philly would be super interested, just that like when you get further enough down this road, CJ McCollum is the most enticing part. Now there are other complications. There are other complications here, right? Like it's um not only is Philly's inter- like Philly's interest in CJ McCollum. It is the Portland Trailblazers interest in Ben Simmons. It is Damian Lillard's willingness to say, "Yep, after this partnership of 7 seasons, 8 8 seasons, let's, you know, let's move on. Let's, you know, me and CJ are will be brothers regardless if we play on the same team or not. Regardless if we're coworkers, we're going to be close friends, but I I know what I need." I think those are like the obvious hurdles, right? Is like interest on both sides. But I, I, I think, um, I think Keith has has a point here. Is that when you kind of scour the league and wh- whom might be interested and who, like you know, what what teams would really play ball here? You, you get to see Jim McCollum pretty quickly on the list. The California teams that Ben prefers to trade the traded to be traded to just don't kind of it kind of doesn't seem like they have the assets they certainly don't have like the singular any of them have like a singular tradable player as quality as cj mccollum there is obviously fit stuff with with um with ben simmons uh as listener jeremy asked me in a a mailbag question that i'm just gonna use here a little bit is like who you know what what do you do with simmons if he needs a ball in his hand and so does dame like how does it work um, which I think is a really useful one. The answer is like you play Simmons more as a power forward and convince him to set screens and be a roller than a true point guard, or you convince Dame to move off the ball, or for the most part during the regular season, you don't worry about it because during the regular season, talent will win out and it's the playoffs where Simmons's limitations really become an like really pad the magnifying glass on him. Obviously there's the other stuff like how does Simmons fit with any traditional center? Like can he play next to Nurk? Ooh, I don't know. That's like that seems a little dicey. Can he play next to, you know, the backup centers they have on the team? No, you know, can he just play centered? P- probably not for 75 games. Like but he's I think it's worth the talent risk. Uh the other thing here is like 
what if it doesn't work out, right? Uh, we're, we're kind of getting down the line, like, will it happen to, beyond will it happen, wh- what if it happens and it doesn't work out? I don't think you're in that bad of a spot. Say Damon Lord, say you trade for Ben Simmons, say it's a straight across trade, just CJ for Ben Simmons. Uh, it's, I think there's an outside chance that it might be, the Sixers might have to give and stuff in order, it might get dark enough down, it might get dark enough down the timeline for the Sixers the way, um, and they might have so much leverage that it might be Simmons and stuff for McCollum. Uh, There's a chance that it's like, you know, matching parts on either side to make both sides happy. But let's assume that it's a straight across trade. CJ for Ben Simmons. If it doesn't work out and you get to July next year and Dame says, you know what, we flamed out in the second round of the playoffs. This stinks. I'm out of here. Then you're left on the hook with three years of Ben Simmons, who will be 26 years old, or three years of CJ McCollum, who will be 30 years old. Which, like, which unsavory bad contract would you rather be left with? I will, I will let you decide, dear listener. But the larger picture here. It could happen. That's where we've made it back to. It just seemed like it wasn't going to happen or we, or it's going to be happening, you know, let's check back in in Christmas or whatever, you know, late December um, or, you know, or 2022. But now it seems, you know, Simmons is going to get traded and the Blazers are certainly one of those teams that could be in the mix. Their interest remains, um, I think, is, is their interest in Simmons remains real uncertainty. But if, if, if in Philly they can see that CJ would be the guy, I think we could all agree, dear listeners, if you're listening to Lockdown Blazers, you could probably agree. CJ seems like a reasonable get for Philly. He offers shooting and ball handling and some shot creation. Uh, he would offer more spacing. He's not a pure point guard, and then Philly would still be sort of on the lookout for, for something that resembles that. But but he, but he McCollum would offer th- something they need, and the Blazers with a lineup of Dame, Norm, Rocco, Ben Simmons, Nurk, Larry Nance, Cody Zeller, Admittedly, Cody Seller felt a little bit out of place grouping him in there, but that's like that would be the Blazers' top seven throw. And assuming Anthony Simons and Nazir Little stick around, that's that's like your top nine. Uh, Tony Tony Snell in there too. Like they've, um, you know, that's that that is a team that you could conceivably say, hey, this is this is a team that could challenge for a championship. The right mix of offense and defense, the right like size versatility to get stuff done. Would it would it like vault this team into sort of that Milwaukee Brooklyn echelon of championship teams? No, but immediately I believe you are a better basketball team for your troubles. And I think the risk, while obviously obviously true, like both in sort of fit and um, personality and all of these things, there's obvious risk there. I think the rewards of of like taking that step and also proving to Damian Lord you're willing to take that step, checking multiple boxes there, I think is worth it. I would do it in a heartbeat. So out in Philly, they know that CJ might be the guy, at least, uh, you know, senior writers at major newspapers who also host a podcast can see CJ being the guy. Remains to be seen whether Daryl Morey and Neil Olshay can see eye to eye in a trade. But it's back on. It's back on. It's belief in a Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum swap. It could be back. And folks, I would do it. All right, in the second segment, let's answer a couple mailbag questions, shall we? We we had a mailbag episode yesterday. We had a little mini special delivery mini mailbag here in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you about sweat block wipes. It is the solution if you are a heavy perspirer. It's stronger and more more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before you go to bed. The next morning you wake up, you wash and go about your day with confidence. You will not have to worry about sweat, guaranteed. 
Yeah, guaranteed. That's the dry shirt guarantee, in fact, from Sweatblock that says if Sweatblock doesn't work, if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. So if you don't take my word for it, why don't you check out Amazon where it's been a uh, bestseller for over a decade. There's over 13,000 reviews on Amazon. You can check out plenty of other people who have tried out Sweatblock and see what they think about this product. And if you need a solution for heavy perspiration, why don't you use our promo code Locked On when you go to sweatblock.com and get 20% off your order. That's sweatblock.com. The promo code is Locked On. You get 20% off. It's also available, like I said, at Amazon and your local CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. So we talked about the Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum swap. It's back on the table. Folks, folks in both Portland and Philly are starting to see the light. It makes sense for both sides. It just makes sense. What's shift gears a little bit in the second segment and answer a handful of questions from a mailbag segment. I, I host a mailbag episode every week. You can send in questions at Mike G. Rich or uh, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That at Mike G. Rich is my Twitter handle. Or if you're not a Twitter user, email me LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. We had a big spillover. We had we just had a bunch of questions. People are, are getting excited about the Trailblazers again. So I was going to do a whole episode today with, that's just mailbag. But then... Uh, the sort of CJ Ben Simmons stuff kind of took precedent. So we're going to, we're going to push some of these mailbag questions back to Monday. Uh, we're just going to answer, answer a handful more here. The rest we'll save for next week. It will post in your feeds on Tuesday. So be sure to, to check back. If you asked a question, I'm not, I'm not giving up on you. I'm just pushing it back a little bit because, um, Simmons, baby, Ben, Ben Simmons, that's, you know, exclamation points after both names. So, Let's get into it. We're going to have a mini mailbag, special delivery mailbag here in the second segment. Our first question comes from Scott. That is at ScottPTB30 on Twitter who asks, Last season, the number one area of concern was defense. Looking at this roster on paper, what do you think we will complain about most this season? If you still think it's defense, what's number two? I do, I do still think it's defense. I think the question for this team is how good they can be on defense. And I think number two is going to be how much... Um, it's it's going to be similar to last year. I think the number one concern remains player movement and ball movement, and it's and I think they've addressed some of that. Like I think I think Norm is a better cutter than what they had for a lot of last season. I think there's, there's some scheme stuff that can get guys to cut better. But the lack of like a true secondary playmaker is not only like it's something they they could use, and I think Nance helps, and I think Anthony Simons can get a little bit better there, and I think CJ McCollum took a step forward, and obviously Dame is is a pretty darn good point guard. 
guard, although he's a better, um, you know, sort of perimeter pick and roll passer than he is like a true interior playmaker. So I think like interior passing, I think that's like when you get into the half court, do they have guys who can make enough creative passes to like to fix, you know, to, to juice the offense. I think that will remain the number, the number one concern. I think scheme will help there a lot, right? Like I think, I think you can just have some sort of coaching stuff and putting guys in better spots and demanding more movement, demanding more ball movement and, and body movement matters, but like skill set matters. And I don't think the Blazers have addressed um, their need for playmaking. And I don't think you can go, it's hard for them to go sign a veteran point guard. Um, I think it's, veteran point guard much more important than veteran big man because uh, young big men can make it happen young point guards are not good in the league you need an adult um then you you end up with a, a numbers crunch right like you just end up with with a math crunch of like who can play who can play and win and more on that in a moment chalupa dad times two at chalupa dad on twitter asks have you ever had a almost persu- almost persuade me to be a Blazers fan moment. Yeah, I mean, I would I full on sort of like adopted the Blazers as a team. I moved here in the fall of 2006, um, the same year as Brand Roy and Lamarcus Aldridge. We all we all relocated to Portland together. It was one big happy family. And I I immediately bought a quarter season package. I grew up in a basketball community, and being connected to a local basketball team was like something I really wanted to maintain. And uh, I you know I really loved those teams. I I was. I was an adopted fan and then, you know, as as things kind of flamed out and the sort of lockout of 2011 and the kind of unsavory season that that followed, I, my interest in the team, I mean, I still followed them very, very closely, but my sort of like love affair with the team waned a little bit. And again, like I had been sort of a an adopted fan for four seasons at that point. I wasn't really all in, although I had attended, you know, at that point, probably, you know, 80 games in person like I went all the time and I was I was trying to get into it and I I mean I and I really loved young Brandon Roy but as I you know as I got on the beat as I started working in media and being around the team more often it just it kind of just um it atrophies your sort of ability to be a fan it really um you know I think even talking with like Casey Holdall who's who works for trail that works for the team like you know, he's a lifelong Oregonian, a lifelong fan. He's worked for the team for more than a decade, like a long time. And even he says like his sort of like fandom, his true like emotion to the team sort of has waned a little bit. Now he's much more of a fan than I am. Like um, he just has more, you know, long time connection. And obviously like them doing well is like tied to his employment more than it's ever been tied to mine. But like just being proximity to the team makes you less of a fan. And I, it, for me, uh, the like being a, a, a beat writer really sort of took me out of it. It's not that I like I aim to be like a sort of like Blazers agnostic. I just, I, I didn't grow up an NBA guy. And then I didn't, I, when I became, you know, when I got closer to the team in a professional sense, it was, I just stepped right out of it. And I mean, I, I, I've enjoyed plenty of Blazers moments, but that sort of like deep connection that I think like that I identify with fandom, like this, this moves me. I don't even, I don't have that anymore. I've kind of lost that. I was, I grew up as a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I've kind of lost that with them. Carolina basketball is all I got left. So go Tar Heels. Next question comes from Dr. J who asks, the NBA has decided that since the Blazers have won the last two slam dunk contests, we are guaranteed one slot in the contest for this year's All-Star Game. With your only goal being to win the contest, forget about hurt feeling, etc., who do you send? Anthony Simons, 
Greg Brown III, or Nazir Little. Uh, when when Dr. J originally sent this question, Derek Jones Jr. was still on the team. Uh, and, and then I, wait, I waited and I held off and Derek Jones Jr. got traded. Uh, so Derek Jones would have been my pick because I think he's the best contest dunker. Um, and I also think he, has, he just has a lot of flair in how he can dunk. But I, I think... And I'll give you my logic here, but I think it's Anthony Simons. One, I think repeat. I think repeat guys have have a better shot at it um, because the fans know Greg Brown is is tough because like who is people won't know who Greg Brown the third is. Elite dunker might be might be um, you know he threw down a freaking East Bay dunk in game. Like the dude is dude is a, a elite leaper. So to me, it really comes down between Ant and Nas. And I think Ant has a little bit effort, more effortless leaping ability. Like just sort of like he looks like he's trying less hard when he jumps. Uh, and I think that helps because there's so much, so much of the dunk contest is aesthetics. Uh, so I would have picked, I would have picked Derek Jones Jr., then Ant, then Nas, then Greg Brown. But now I'll go Ant, Nas, Greg Brown. Next question comes from Connor at Connor Gregg on Twitter, who asks, does giving up a first rounder and their best salary filler trade balancer and Derek Jones Jr. mean that a CJ trade is less likely than it would have been before the Nance deal? Does CJ and any role player on this team get the Blazers a star in return? Well, Connor, did you listen to that first segment? I bet you did if you made it this far. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I think there is some... Uh, and a couple of listeners have asked me about this, uh, maybe just Twitter users, maybe they don't listen to the podcast, but a couple of people on the internet have asked me about this. Like the Blazers, the, the pick is lottery protected from now until 2028. So it's top 14 protected. If it lands, if the Blazers miss the playoffs and they get a top 14 pick, uh, they get to keep it. If they're out of, if they make the playoffs, then the first round pick uh, will, will go ahead and convey to the Chicago Bulls. So I think there's a couple things here. Like, so you're not allowed to trade picks in consecutive seasons and, and the, and the, um, the owed picks might limit what you can do in theory, what you can do for trades, but, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you can change the limitations on the pick, either just straight up remove the protections and allow you to trade the pick or word the trade such that it's like the first, the first pick that is available after this pick we owe conveys. And if you're like making a trade at the trade deadline and you look like you're a surefire playoff team, then you kind of know that you're getting a 2024 first round pick. It's like you can, teams will agree to it. And I believe you can word the, the trades like that. Um, if someone has a stronger grasp on the CBA than me, let me know and I will issue a correction here. But in general, um, I think I, I would have said yes, but if like in specifically in the case of Simmons and specifically what the Sixers need, I think CJ plus, you know, plus Ant or Nas, um, hopefully, hopefully not both for the Blazers sake, because I would really, um, they'd be, they'd be a little bit light on guys on rookie deals, but like, I, I, I think CJ plus that plus CJ plus parts or even potentially Simmons plus parts is like kind of the deal you're looking at. I don't think for other stars it would work, but for the Sixers specific situation, I think that I think I think you're still I think the dream is still alive, which is why uh, we opened today's podcast in the way that we did. Next question comes from Ratto at Matt Ratto on Twitter, who asks. How do you see the backup shooting guard and small forward minutes playing out? If CJ and Norman Powell both play 35 minutes a night, that only leaves 26 minutes for Nazir Little, Tony Snell, and Nance's non-backup four minutes. Will CJ play some point, which reduces Ant's time? Yeah, so I, I talked about this on yesterday's show a little bit, Rado, so if you missed that, be sure to, to, to tune in to, uh, I believe, the the first segment, maybe the second segment, first first somewhere in the first 15 minutes of the show. Um about how Nance really can't play the sort of non 
he'll always play power forward unless he plays next to Robert Covington. And even then he might like functionally play power forward because the Blazers don't have another four on the roster. Like if he plays next to Nazir Little, like Nas is going to functionally play the three. But I think you're you're right to identify this here is like the minutes on at guard spots are mostly spoken for. You're talking, you know, 33 to 36 minutes for CJ and, and, and Norm. And I think it's more like 33 for Norm, 36 for CJ. Um, that then that leaves limited minutes. You can pencil Ant in there for about 20 a night. And then I I think CJ is going to play a bunch of minutes as the backup point guard, or at least backup guard, and him and Ant will split sort of some playmaking duties, which means that you're choosing most nights between Nazir Little and Tony Snell, unless you want to go, unless you want to go 10 deep. Uh, And even then one of those dudes is probably out because unless Nas plays the two, which I think he's capable of, but Ant, Nas, Tony Snell, Larry Nance, and and Cody Zeller is not a good lineup that you'd want to run on the floor very much. You want one of the starters, CJ, Norm, Dame, one of those lead guards, like in there in place of of Snell or Nas. So I, I think I think you've I don't think Larry Nance plays much at three just because of like the way the roster is constructed. And I think on most nights you are choosing between Nazir Little and Tony Snell. And I think that's the question. Well, that's that for me, that is the question mark for Chauncey Billups. Who does he choose there? All right. In the third segment, let's close out the show with a Blazers moment of joy. Listener Tom has shared a moment of joy and I'm going to share it with you. But first, let's talk about Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know that Bilt Bar has just so many delicious flavors, so there's something for everybody? You do know. But when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they know their faves. If you're talking to me, I'm telling you to look at that cookies and cream or the salted caramel. But if you talk to others, even in my own household, they might tell you to check out Cherry Barcia or Coconut or even Mint Brownie, a favorite in these parts. If you don't know what you like, why don't you get a mixed box? You get two of each of those nine flavors. Try all of them. Try all of them. Find out what you like and order more from there. But not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bar, they're also healthy too. So check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and no more than 5 grams of net carbs. It's amazing flavors. All healthy. All tasty. Go get yourself some. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. Y'all, it's here. Football season is upon us. College football started up last weekend. It's going to start in earnest this Saturday, and, and the NFL is not far behind. Next week, the NFL season will start. So you might as well get on over to Bet Online because it's your number one spot to bet on all pro and college football action this season. You'll get updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest, both of which are open right now at betonline.ag. So head on over to that website. And you, when you sign up today using the promo code LOCKEDON, you will get a 100% welcome bonus. They're matching your first deposit dollar for dollar. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And now they're giving you a hundred percent match to make it worth your while. That's bet online, your online sports book experts. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, still listening to locked on blazers. We talked about a Ben Simmons trade. 
We answer some questions in a mini mailbag special delivery edition. Now I want to close out the show with a moment of joy. I have asked listeners all throughout the off-season, we've, we've closed the week with this segment, sending you into the weekend with a little bit of joy, to share their moments of joy, why they fell in love with the team, how the team brings them happiness, uh, whatever, whatever Blazers moment of joy brings to you. I've asked listeners to share those moments with me. And luckily, listener Tom was kind enough to send along this, this tale. And I'm going to read that to you now. Tom writes, I currently live in Texas, despite growing up in the Pacific Northwest, just across the river from Portland in the foothills of Southwest Washington. You may recall an an event that made national headlines in Texas last February, which we here now refer to as Snowpocalypse. As a brief primer, Texas was subjected to a wild for the area cold and snow, and much of the infrastructure of the state ground to a halt. Between the power outages and the impassable roads, many people had nothing to do but sit around and take care of themselves and their residents the best they could. However, my wife is a nurse, and they don't get days off. Much like Mailbag Monday, neither rain, nor sleet, nor snow, nor gloom of night keeps people from being sick, especially during a pandemic. I spent much of this week using my experience driving in icy conditions back home to ferry my wife and many of her co-workers from their residences to the hospital so that they could continue to serve their patients. In many ways, it felt like some kind of taxing, taxiing video game, with the speed slider adjusted to 0.25x. However, I was able to safely deliver many nurses to and from work as the early snow of the week gave way to the impending hard freeze, daytime highs in the 20s. My wife's hospital offered quarters to day shift nurses who wanted to come in the evening ahead of their shift and spend the night to avoid driving in what were expected to be truly horrific conditions. So that evening, I shuttled my wife and three other nurses, all packed into our all-wheel drive Ford Escape, over to the hospital around 4 p.m. We aimed early so that if anything happened, we'd still have a good chunk of daylight with which to get rescued and with the aim of allowing me to get home before the sunset and the freeze set in. I was home by around 5.30 in a chilly, although mercifully still electrically powered home. Since we haven't had any work travel during the pandemic, this was my first night that my wife and I weren't sleeping in the same bed in about a year. I made dinner for myself and settled into bed a little earlier than usual since I couldn't even really go on a normal evening walk for fear of sliding around on the sidewalks and busting my head. I crawled into bed with my dog and three cats by my side. I noticed that the Blazers at Pelicans game was starting at a semi-reasonable time that night, 8 p.m. as I recall. Even more fortunately, this was one of the Yahoo Sports app's League Pass preview nights so I could watch it for free legally on my phone. Having little else to do, I decided to stay up a bit late and watch the game. The rest of the evening flew by. I watched the Blazers get down by 10 in the first half, despite an outstanding first quarter in which Dame dropped 15 points. A strong third corner performance, buoyed by 11 more from Dame, allowed them to enter the fourth with a lead. My confidence was building. By the halfway point in the fourth, the team had held on to a slim lead they entered the fourth quarter with and had managed even to do okay in the Dameless minutes, a stat I was tracking. Thanks to you, Mike. Hell yeah, shout out to Dameless Minutes. The team stayed even until with just 90 seconds left, the Pelicans managed to take the lead. A back and forth struggle ensued, leaving Portland down one with just 26 seconds left. Dame manages the and one layup to give a two point lead to the Blazers with 10 seconds left. I held my breath. The Pelicans take a timeout and advance the ball. They have one final possession and can't put the game away with a three pointer. Lonzo misses a three, but the Pelicans come away with the rebound. Just three seconds left, and Brandon Ingram pops up another shot, hoping to tie the game. 
it, at least in my mind, just misses and Portland sneaks away with the W, missing Nurk and CJ. Damian Lillard is on fire on the court and some of that heat tra- leaves me feeling just warm enough inside to get a good night's sleep. Tom, I love this story. One, because I remember the game really well. Why didn't Zion get the ball at the end? Why didn't they give the ball to Zion? Who cares? Dame did it again. Uh, he It was a stretch where Dame just kept bailing the Blazers out. His true, true magic. And what, what I love about this is there are times when life offers us unexpected challenges. Like, hence hence this Blazers moment of joy segment is that we've we've all been thrown kind of uh, numerous curveballs and and beyond the sort of, you know, l- larger sort of global health issues, like our lives continued on to be challenging. And like we have personal struggles that exist even outside of the, the sort of the big health stuff that's out there, right? Outside of, of any pandemic, like uh, we have our own challenges. And to to find that comfort in basketball is so, is so deeply relatable. And this is what I mean about sort of Blazers moment of joy. This is a moment of joy the Blazers brought you that was just kind of like life's uh, you know, upside down right now. Uh, and, you know, and your, your partner is working, you know, long shifts to, to try to help people while the the whole state is shutting down. Um, and, and, uh, and people are losing power and dealing with, um, you know, weather conditions they're not used to. And all, all of these like sort of just challenges that are sort of outside of your control and, and unrelated to the um, to this sort of health crisis, the larger health crisis at play here. And, and the Blazers bring you some solace, bring you some peace and give you a fun memory, a game you won't soon forget because Dame was magic on a night when you needed a little bit of magic. I love it. That's a Blazers moment of joy. This team bringing you comfort. If you have a Blazers moment of joy, share it with us, please, dear listener. It can be anything. We've had so many, um, what I love about this sort of segment is like so many people have interpreted it different ways. Um, whether it's, whether it's, you know, sort of why the Blazers bring them comfort at the moment they fell in love with the Blazers or just, or just a warm moment of Blazers cheer like Tom shared with us today. Share your Blazers moment of joy. Share it. Send me an email, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com. I would love for your fellow listeners to hear your Blazer moment of joy, to be reminded why we love this team, why we love this sport, and what and 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 through the challenges of life, why why basketball and why the Blazers bring us back and give us a reason to smile and feel that joy. So if you have one again, locked on at gmail.com. I would love, love for you to share it with me. That's going to do it for this episode. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Got a bunch of good shows coming next week. Uh, A couple interviews I've been trying to wrangle for what seems like a month. A month of of wrangling. I feel like I have darn near locked them down. So look forward to, to a couple guests next week. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. 